Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Boom, that's the name of the podcast, and I am Whitney Ray, your amazing host. So, the last time that we were together, we talked about some dating things and and all of that, so we're switching speeds this particular episode. It's a little bit more serious, and it's a little bit more on the mental health side. So before we get into that, I have my awesome camera set up today so you will be able to have visuals. I know I said that the last episode, but my camera went dead. (sighs) My camera went dead 18 minutes into the podcast. So I don't have the full footage and I did not want to give you guys half butt material so we kind of scrapped it but it's okay because we're back in episode four I feel like this is a good episode to start the visual aspect of it so now you'll be able to listen to me on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, SoundCloud currently trying to get my website up and running you can also watch it on YouTube and you'll be able to watch it on Facebook as well Join the Facebook page, Boom, that's the name of the podcast. So, yeah. So, that is the whole rundown. So, I started... I started recording this episode, honestly, last week. And in the middle of me recording it, I would say I was about 10 minutes in. It dawned on me that this should probably be a series. Um... It's a three-part series, and I decided to call it Let's Talk About It because I feel like I needed to divide it into different sections so that we could all, so I can, one, so that I can communicate more effectively, and then so that you guys would be able to follow my process a little bit better. Um, I feel like overwhelming you and trying to fit it all in to a 30-minute segment was not going to be beneficial to you and also not beneficial to me. Um, I cannot sell myself short or cut my story short. So um, all in all, you are going to get 90 wonderful minutes of the entire process. So I think I'm ready to start. I, I Honestly, outside of therapy and, of course, my amazing psychiatrist and my PCP, I don't think I fully told this story so this is the first time for you first time for me (laughs) to fully tell this story so I have always had this disorder um for as long as I can remember so I remember being a teenager and everybody thinking oh she's just moody you know typical teenager stuff when you're 15 to 16 your hormones are all over the place you're moody but um I was a little bit more moody than other kids and in hindsight I now noticed that I was really really manic through most of my adolescence so just a little bit of what my bipolar disorder 2 looks like so I have two speeds or two episode types and that's being I'm either extremely manic and I'll explain what that entails 
or I'm extremely depressive. So there's no there's no middle ground. It's I'm either one or the other. And anything can throw me into one of these episodes, either changes in my lifestyle, changes in my love life, changes in my family, just any anything that's just ridiculously stressful can throw me into either one of these. I don't have any control over what my brain decides to do. It just does it. So what my manic episodes look like, if you're in my family, I'm about to get real, real. <laughs> so one of my one of my top indicators is that my sex drive is incredibly high. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm sexually active. It could mean other things. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that, but it could be other things. So my sex drive is high, but I can't finish. So <laughs> it is one of the worst things to go through is to not be able to finish. So that's usually a first indicator for me that something is going on. Um, also, I become super duper obsessed with just single things. So it, let's just example, maybe I'm obsessed with Sprite. I can tell you everything there is to know about Sprite. Um, I start projects, never finish them. Um, I am extremely OCD, but it's, it's weird because I'm OCD, but then I'm not. So it's, it's kind of, that, that particular part is kind of hard to explain. Um, I am completely irresponsible with my finances. Um, I mean, it's not, it's never gotten to the point to where I've been in a situation where my lights were going to get cut off or anything like that, but I'm overly giving. So I would literally give you my last $10 if that meant that you were happy. Not even necessarily that you need my last $10, but I would give that to you. If you asked me for it, I would give it to you. Even if you didn't ask me for it, I would give it to you. So, um, and this is a few other things that happen while I'm manic, but it's the worst. It is the absolute worst. You don't sleep, you don't eat, and you don't really, how I like to explain it is that, you know, when you come home after you've been at work all day and your dog sees you and your dog is so excited, like he's jumping around. He's just like, oh my gosh, my owner's here. That's me, <laughs> except I can't turn it off. As much as I want to, as much as I go through these processes of trying to psych myself out of being manic or being snappy or being moody, as much as I have physically tried to stop those things from happening, I don't have control. And that was my first realization was I don't have control. And um, bipolar disorder, it it can it can be misconstrued. <laughs> it's sneaky. So it could also appear as attention deficit attention deficit disorder. I tried to say it too fast. Or um, ADHD. So I just remember being completely exhausted. I was twenty five. So I've been living with this disorder for as long as I can remember. 
but I was so tired. <laughs> I, I remember the day I was in my car and I'm like, I'm tired. Like I'm, I'm tired of like having to overly explain myself. I'm tired of not having control. I'm tired of being overly focused in some areas and then not focused at all. I'm tired of starting things and not finish them. I'm tired. So um, at the time, I was working for a healthcare facility, and it was pretty easy to go in and see a doctor. It was also really easy to get misdiagnosed. And not to say that it had anything to do with this healthcare facility, because it's not a bash on them, but when you have something as complex as bipolar disorder, you really really need to have a doctor that's that knows the disorder or knows what it looks like and a lot of the times your doctor is not going to know what it looks like and they're going to misdiagnose you it happens it's not a discredit to what the doctor's doing it just looks like a number of things and ADD and ADHD is is what it looks like when you're manic so, and but when you're depressed it looks like depression it doesn't look like anything else so I was manic whenever I decided that I wanted to be diagnosed and I wanted help. So I went to my PCP and I said, hey, at the time I didn't know how to articulate it like I do right now. But I said, hey, I'm having this really hard time sleeping and I'm having a really hard time focusing and having a really hard time just getting everything into perspective. I'm having a hard time. So when I'm describing it like that, and I'm not telling you that, oh, well, sometimes I'm sad or this doesn't last for longer than, you know, a few weeks or, or a month. I didn't know to explain that part. I didn't know to say, I don't always feel this way, but when I do, it lasts for X amount of time. I didn't know to say that because I didn't know what it was. So I just remember her saying, oh, it sounds like you have adult ADHD. Made sense. I knew about adult ADHD. I knew what it was. I had friends who had adult ADHD. The guy in Maroon 5 has, what is his name, Adam? He has ADHD. So I knew what it was and I knew how it was treated. So... I started on Adderall, which was the first biggest mistake was, and, and, and in some people, after talking to my psychiatrist, Adderall actually helps. But with me, it did not help. It heightened my mania. It made it to where my mania was almost a million times worse. It was the absolute worst. And I lived like that for two years. So between 25 and 27, almost 28, I was on Adderall. And it was the worst. It was, I couldn't shut down. I couldn't shut off. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I just remember wanting to sleep and sleeping for like, I was extremely nocturnal. I would sleep for maybe 30 minutes. I'd wake up, 
and be awake for two hours, sleep 30 minutes, wake up, be up for two hours, sleep for 30 minutes, wake up, up, I'm up for good. And I was functioning that way with little to no sleep. My calorie intake was well below normal. I would say my calorie intake at the time was anywhere between 810 and 1,000. A normal adult is, it ranges, but it, the base is about 1,500 calories. So I was well below that. I was eating like one meal a day and I was functioning. So I didn't think anything was wrong. I thought the Adderall was working because I'm hyper-focused. I can focus, I can focus. But I'm still snappy. And I'm still obsessed with things. And I'm still not managing my money correctly. But I didn't know that all of these elements were associated with mania. So I went along with just being diagnosed as having ADHD. I went along with that. And I thought, this is it. I figured it out. I'm okay. So... I lost my job, and in losing my job, my health care got cut off. Like, my health insurance was gone, so I can't get my Adderall, so now I'm depressed, and I went through a depressive stage. This was not new to me. This had happened before. This wasn't new. It wasn't like I had never been depressed before. I had been treating my depression Along with thinking I had ADHD, I had been treating my depression for a while, but I didn't realize the type of depression that I had. So I was maxing out on your typical antidepressants, Lexapro, um, what else? (laughs) I was on Lexapro, I was on um, Citalopram. Um, a number of things I was on and it's just like I couldn't get a grasp on my depression I got really good at putting a band-aid on my depression I'm sorry y'all my phone was ringing and I'm not gonna (laughs) re-record like I'm not gonna stop but um I couldn't get a grasp on my depression I was putting a band-aid on it and maxing out on medications and switching medications and not finding the right fit because I wasn't managing my type of depression, which was the depression that's associated with bipolar disorder two, which is different than standard depression that doesn't accompany mania. Totally different. So I'm thinking that I'm doing the right thing for myself. And honestly, at the time, It probably was the right thing for myself, but it wasn't working. So I lost my job, went to a crazy depressive episode to where it was just like crippling depression. I didn't want to leave my house. I was extremely anxious, but I lost every medication because I no longer had health insurance. So I can no longer see my PCP. I can no longer do any of those things because I don't have insurance and I can't afford to pay out of pocket. 
which is what a lot of Americans are dealing with right now as to why they cannot manage their mental health because they can't afford to. So I went through that to why I couldn't afford to really manage my mental health. So everybody kept saying, oh, my gosh, why are you rushing to go back to work? Stay on unemployment. Blah, like, But I knew going back to work for me was life or death. And it was go back to work, get your insurance so you can go back to seeing your doctor. Life or death situation. It wasn't so much as to what type of money I was making. It was all, I don't care if it's crappy insurance I needed so that I can, so I can manage my, my, my mental disorder. I have to manage that. So I did my 30, my 90 days at work. So I've been living like this at this point. I lost my job in, I lost my job in like May of 2017. That's your talent was born. So 2017, I lost my job. I went back to work in July. I didn't get insurance until October. So for six months, I did no medication at all. Nothing to manage my depression. Nothing to manage anything. I had nothing. So I was just rogue. And I went back to work. That kind of helped a little bit. And then I went and saw a new primary care physician. Probably the one thing that, the be- one of the best things I could have ever done for myself. So I went and saw my new primary care physician. And she's literally looking at the list of drugs that I've maxed out on. And she's like, oh, whoa. <laughs> You know, like any, what, any new doctor probably would have looked at that and said, whoa, girl, like what's what's going on here? So I had maxed out on every antidepressant that was your general that usually works for everybody else. It works for the masses. I was maxing out on them. So. She was like, something's not right here. And she said, in your chart, they diagnosed you with adult ADHD. And I'm like, yeah, I have ADHD. She went, are you, are you sure? Never once did anybody ever stop <laughs> to say, do you honestly think this is what that is? And tell me about your ADHD. So that's when it clicked. And I said, you know what? I have to tell her every single part of what is going on with me. So that's when I explained, oh, hey, yeah, this isn't, is, I'm not, I don't have ADHD all the time. <laughs> and she said, no, <laughs> that is not how ADHD works. You either have it all the time or you don't. And I said, well, I don't have it all the time. So sometimes I'm really, really just upset and I'm sad. And she said, that is different. That is not ADHD because that doesn't come with ADHD. She said, has anybody ever asked you about bipolar disorder? First thing in my head, I'm like, what? That's that's for crazy people. Crazy people have bipolar disorder. I'm not crazy, right? Because everything that I had ever heard about bipolar disorder was that person got committed 
That person's like in a crazy house. That person doesn't lead. I didn't know any people who were bipolar. I didn't know anybody. So I had nothing to relate this to. And every story I had heard about someone being bipolar was super negative. So I was scared. And she's like, oh, no, 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 you don't have to be scared. Like, that was the first thing. She's like, you don't have to be scared. You don't have to be scared. She's like, I'm going to (laughs) help. So I'm like, okay, she's going to help me. So at the time, I was depressed. She's like, let's manage your depression first, and then I'm going to get you with a psychiatrist. All right, cool. Psychiatrist. And she's like, I'm going to refer you to somebody for therapy. All right, cool. Therapy. (laughs) Um, I'd always been told, honestly, in our community, in in the black community, we're just kind of told that like mental disorder doesn't technically exist. And if it does exist, it came on because you did something or you're addicted to drugs or, you know, the typical things that throw somebody into having a mental disorder, not a chemical imbalance, not that onset trauma, not anything like that, but that mental illness is the root of evil which is so far from being true and you can't pray over this even though me having faith helped a lot you can't just pray it away does that is this that doesn't exist you can't just pray and hope for the best and hope that it just goes away on its own because it doesn't so time goes on and I start to see a, a therapist things get a little bit better My depression is being managed. Cool. My psychiatrist has me on mood regulators. Cool. We start the process of me getting back to feeling normal for the first time. I didn't know what that felt like to not constantly have a voice or a tape running in my head. And when I say a tape, I don't mean... Just this random voice is just telling me like weird stuff. My voice sounds like a schedule, a rep, like a repetitive schedule of things that I need to do. And then when I try to go to sleep, it's a repetitive schedule of things I didn't get done that day. So I never slept. So it was when I started my mood regulator and I started my antidepressant and I had like an anxiety medication as well so when I started those three um the voice just cut off it's the weirdest thing in the world so weird it was literally like nothing unless I created the thought myself I would have to create a negative thought and I said that to one of my friends the other day I have to create a negative thought for me to have a negative thought when it used to just be on its own. It used to literally be involuntarily negative thoughts, random thoughts all the time. Now it's a voluntary action for me. If I want to think negatively about something, I have to focus and do it. I have to make that situation negative. I have to make my thoughts irrational. I have to 
physically do, I have to create that thought. Versus before when I had no control and um, those thoughts created on their own. Or thoughts of just being really anxious. I had to create those thoughts now. And it was weird. It was like, whoa, that voice is like, in the back of my head, she's gone. So what they don't really tell you is that this doesn't last. (laughs) So this is not something that lasts forever because you will have another episode and it's going to happen and it's something that you can't avoid. So I'm going to go longer than 30 minutes, guys. I'm excited, so I'm just going to go longer. I'm going to go until, you know, it's all finished. So I remember I really started documenting my mental health probably at the middle of 2018 because I wanted to be more accurate and I wanted to be able to know when my episode started and when they stopped or if I was in the middle of an episode or not. So I kept a mood journal. At the top of this year, I started my dream job, right? Everybody would think that this would be the most amazing thing in the world. Everybody would think that this would be the height of my life. But I went into the worst manic episode that you could think of. I was bad, man. I cut my hair into a webby. <laughs> I remember going to my bathroom, cutting all my hair off because I was so extremely anxious and so extremely scared. Manic, like you wouldn't believe, but I recognized it. I said, girl, time to get those meds calibrated. Something, Something's not, not clicking. Something's not right. So I get my meds calibrated. I have a grace period to where I feel normal. Then depression, doubt, all of that creeps in underneath the door. Right when I feel like I got it under control, it creeps in on me. Right there. And I went through an episode of this being extremely anxious all the time, extremely paranoid, extremely stressed, extremely depressed to where I remember working in my bedroom because I didn't want to leave my bedroom. I didn't want to leave. I could muster up the strength to get trained to school, get trained from school. I think the only time that I was really just like, okay, was in moments with training. Any other time, any any conversation I had, anything, or honestly, trending or work. So <laughs> how my depression is set up is that I can get seven to eight good hours alone being able to focus. After that, I'm downhill. I need to curl up into a ball. Ugh. You know, it's just, it's bad. So anytime I would interact with Trenton, it was good. It was great. I was present as a parent. It was it was still good. But those moments when I couldn't hold it together and I had to be by myself were the worst. Like at night, those were the worst. So 
I go back to my doctor. I'm like, hey, sorry to disappoint you, but you got my mania under control. Now I'm depressed. She didn't judge me. She said, you know what? I'm going to switch your antidepressants. We're going we're gonna to get this right. We're going to fix it. So it took a little while because the way antidepressants work is that it doesn't just happen overnight. It has to get in your system. You have to get used to it. It has to become part of your lifestyle. So got it in my system. It took about like a week and a half. Got it in my system. Everything got better. So I started to even out. And I was even for a while. I was, I was even for months to where it was just like, I call it good behavior, <laughs> but my behavior was great. Like I wasn't snappy. I, nothing was irregular. Everything was just good. All good. So then July rolls around. Things happen within my family and it throws me into depression again. It's like, okay, call my doctor. She recalibrates my medication. This time I've maxed out on this particular medication, but at this point I love the medication that I'm on. So I said, I'm gonna suck it up for the most part. Some of this is self that I can manage. So I started to run, which helped um, change my diet a little bit. That helped. So I started to, you know, kind of research and make other changes besides prescription medication. Cause this, it's something you have to work at. It's not just all medication. It's a, it's a disorder that you have to work at. So those things that like, it elevated me and it made me feel better. So I'm like in a good space. Everything's good. My family starts to come around. Everything starts to come around. I'm good. I'm good. Work is great. Everything's good. Then September rolls around and it threw me out of nowhere. So Honestly, this is the first episode, the first episode of Mania that I could think of to date that I didn't see coming or didn't understand why I was here. So when it got here, I was like, hold on, you, you're not scheduled to be here. What's going on? Like, mm-mm. you're not supposed to be here. Get out of here. And it's not as easy as just saying you're not supposed to be here. Get out of here. I wish it was, but it's not. So, oh, I was manic. Oh, so I went back to my psychiatrist and it was literally like going back to the drawing board and trying to figure this out. Because at this point, I feel like I had kind of aged out of my medications and I felt like I needed something different because I've been taking the same medications for a while, which is fine. It's, it's sometimes you, you need to change in your chemical balance requires something else. So we went back to the drawing board and he was like, we're going to try Latuda. <laughs> I'd been on Latuda before. I hated it because it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. And in your mind, you honestly, you think when you think of mood reg regulators, you think, oh, this is going to work. Like this going to be good. <laughs> this is going to be great for me. And you think that your life is going to be like the lady on the TV commercial. You know, she went from like buying thousands of dollars worth of stuff and arguing with her husband to be great. They don't tell you, one, the battle that you're going to have with your insurance company to get said medication. 
y'all, if you could see the amount of paperwork that I had to do. So imagine being manic, being told no to a medication over and over and over, being told no. Then they send you pages of paperwork. You're manic. You don't got time for this. Who has time for this? So the minute I would start the process of the paperwork, I would just get frustrated and stop. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. So my psychiatrist, who he is amazing. He's an amazing man. He's like, look, he was giving me the sample packs of Latuda. <laughs> he was giving me the sample packs of Latuda for about three weeks. And then I'm like, my mania was kind of being managed, but I was still like, I feel like I could feel better than what I'm feeling. I started back doing stuff that I love. I started, you know, podcasting more, started journaling more. So I was getting myself back, but I still didn't feel right. It was still something that was just like off. My depression was being managed. So that was fine. I still wasn't sleeping. I still have ridiculous insomnia. Even now, I still do. But we'll get to that too. But um, yeah, so he's like, you know what? We're going to get around this red tape. We're going to try this medication. Y'all, flipping game changer. The medication I'm taking now is kind of like Respidone. And I'm going to tell you, it's scary when you research these medications because... It's like, you used to treat schizophrenia. And you're like, oh, God, I have schizophrenia. But, but you don't. It's, I mean, the medication is a blanket medication. It cures a lot of different mental illnesses and mental disorders. It just does. It just works for different things. So it's kind of like Respidone. Um, but when I say it married really well with the current medications that I was taking, it married really well with those. It was a perfect fit, even though my psychiatrist hates Wellbutrin. He hates it because it's so much of an upper. He hates it. And he's like, if you like it, <laughs> he's, he's like, if you like it, I'm not going to change it. So it, it just worked for me. It's two medications that, that paired well and it worked. So now everything is being managed. I still have insomnia, which that's a whole nother story. I've done everything in my power to not rely on prescription medication. Um, I was drinking sleepy time tea, light therapy, weighted blankets, heated blankets, making it really cold in my house. Like my house was like 69 degrees, 68 degrees all the time. Um, Lavender baths, putting lavender in my socks, um, lavender scents just everywhere to the point where it was just like overwhelmingly lavendery. Everybody else in my house was sleeping great, but I wasn't. Like it was to the point where I tried every over-the-counter sleep aid that I could think of. So I was taking Zequil. I was taking. Advil PM, Tylenol PM, again, sleepy time tea. I was doing a combination of different things, turning off my devices two hours before I was going to sleep. No caffeine. 
and nothing is working. So finally, I'm like, all right, I give up. So he's like, you know, we're going to try Ambien. I hear that and I'm like, I don't want that to become a dependency I don't want to become dependent on Ambien because I've heard about Ambien. I've heard all these things. I don't want to become dependent on this drug. I said, I'm going to try it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'm going to stop it. Right? Took Ambien for the first time, five milligrams. Um, You really can only take 10. Five milligrams. Went to sleep really fast. I was like, oh my gosh, sleep. Woke up four hours later. Oh my gosh, insomnia. Uh, you can't take another one. They highly advise you not to do that. So here I am. Go to sleep at 10. Wake up at like 2.30. I'm awake. I'm awake awake. But it's not a mania awake or a depressive awake. It's just awake. It's just like regular old me laying in the bed. Roll over play solitaire for two hours right this is all I could do or or prospect for work for two hours because that's all I could do it's like I couldn't I could try to lay there and shut my eyes again but I couldn't so we go back to the drawing board again Xanax that didn't work it's like I was eating Xanax for dinner that didn't work that wasn't putting me down so it's I tell everybody it's not the going to sleep that I have a problem with. It's staying asleep that I have a problem with. Like all the things that I've done, prescription and non-prescription work to get me to sleep. But once my body hits that four or five hour mark, I'm awake. I'm up. And it's not one of those ups that is your thoughts are running or you're anxious or you just have to like just be up or something has woken you up. It's just my body's timed out. Four or five hours has passed. Girl, you up. And I'm not groggy. Everybody that I've talked to that takes Ambien, they're like, oh my God, when I wake up, I just can't, I can't get it together. I wake up, I have regular conversations and I'm doing regular stuff. I get up and I get walk from my bedroom to where my makeshift office is now. I walk over here and I start working. There's no transition. It's not like I have to like do something to wake myself up. I'm up. I'm all the way awake. So hearing that from other people, it's like, uh, Maybe this isn't normal. I don't know what to do, but I don't know what to do with this. So he does what any other psychiatrist says, and he he ups the dosage. So right now, currently, I'm at 10 milligrams of Ambien. It's not working. So I'm still... It, that, that extra 5 milligrams bought me 30 minutes of additional sleep time. So I don't know. It... And we've had the conversation of it may just be the antidepressant that I'm on. Maybe the Wellbutrin is too much of an upper to where it's still carrying over. I've switched the times that I'm taking it to like first thing in the morning. That way that it's pretty much worn off 
or you know i'm like calming i'm coming down it's not a high though i don't want you guys to think it's a high when i take robutrin it's eh, it's just like yay we're gonna get through the day hooray it's not like a it's not like just a, a weird upper it's not none of the medications that i take give me any type of high which is why i know they're working <laughs> that don't they don't give me any type of like high and i check the side effects and read the side effects of everything that i take and it's like oh it may cause drowsiness may cause you know and then i look at the fact that people abuse these drugs recreationally and i'm like man they don't do none of that for me just doing for you like it just makes it to where i can make it through the day make it through the week make it through the month it ain't doing none of the stuff that it's doing for you that's doing for me. Because, of course, I have a chemical imbalance and I have a mental disorder. So, it's not going to do those things. So, we think that, not we, he <laughs> thinks that the Wellbutrin may be too much of an upper for me. Um, we can't decrease right now because, I don't know if you guys know, but once you start messing with medications... You kind of throw yourself into that ring of you can't stop it or you have a seizure. You can't stop it or it'll give you like maybe possibly throw you into cardiac arrest. This is a lot of things that you have to take into account whenever you stop a medication. You just can't up and stop a medication. That's any medication. You just like you just can't. So um, we're just like we're, we're, we're messing with it right now. We'll figure it out. Whew. That's literally the first time that I have really, really talked all the way through that with anybody. So you guys got to hear it first. I don't know how many people are going to hear this, but you guys got to hear it first. Um, so like, share, comment, message me, do all of those things, continue to do those things. I'm going to continue to share. So next week, whoo, it gets heavier. So we're going to talk about how I, <laughs> I hate saying coming out because it is, it's coming out. So I, how I came out to my family and told my family that I had a mental disorder and what the reactions were. So that, that episode is going to be a doozy. But anyways, we made it through it. I'm so, 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 so happy that I was able to share that with you guys. But share again like comment it costs you nothing nothing to do those things please do those things for me okay so that was episode three episode four. Ooh, girl episode four of boom that's the name of the podcast i am whitney ray and i will talk to you guys next week bye